This was one of those days. It started anyway that way. I came early, you know, I like to do the communion and put the juice in so it's not from the night before. And uh, I poured in this little thing and I, I, I put some in one of the little communion cups and this little piece of bread floated the top because I didn't double up the cups. I just started going. I was like, oh, I am so dumb. And then, as I was singing, I was so dumb, and I was kind of hurrying. Then, you know, they're, they're our communion now, if you haven't been around it for a while, it's spaced out like every other one. So I started going. You know what I did? I put it in the empty one with no cup. So now there's, like, juice all underneath the silly thing. So I'm holding one hand and doing like that, and that's, the, that's just the beginning of my morning. This projector was a little off, so I was fixing it, and I was putting up the ladder, and I pulled the ladder, and it came apart. I pulled it too far. It was my fault. And then I took the thing to put it away, and I was trying to keep it away from the worship team. It was beautifully playing up here. And I put it over here, and I was moving it, and I, and, and, and I hit the communion that was out with the ladder. <laughs> oh, no, I did that. You know, I started, the, what, what? it's just a, a picture of my whole life. It's like if I would just have it to get, it was all of those things I did with a little more, precision and a little more care and a little more dis I could have done it better it's like the picture of life and I bought into that for a long time not just in terms of a morning going poorly and things don't go like we think but but in terms of what life is about you know kind of thinking that I'm on this road and so I have this road this road that I'm on and what I have is I have the reality that I've come to know that Jesus Christ died for me and I am saved and he is mine He saved me. But you know what? I've got a whole life ahead of me. I thought, how am I going to do it right? So I thought, well, I'm going to buy into doing everything I can to give glory to God. Think that stuff I did this morning is giving glory to God? Dude, I could have done it all better. But in your whole life, you know, as a doctor, so I could be a missionary doctor and I could serve people. I said, then I go, hey, I work in the church because I'm going to serve God and we're going to glorify God. And this pathway with the, the Jesus behind us and the road in front of us, serving God together. And we're going, marching to, 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 to glorify God. At some point in my life, I praise God and I hope you get it sooner than I did. I came to something that I'm going to call this morning a turning point. A turning point. That's what this message is about. There's a turning point for you and me. Where I hope and pray that you'll come to the realization this morning that the cross changes that thinking. It's not the cross behind me giving me motivation to be something fantastic. Me be a better me. It's the cross before me. Always taking me off of that road where I'm thinking of me at all. To the point where I can laugh this morning and say, that was God. He was doing stuff. He was giving me a good sermon illustration. I don't know how he's going to use, I don't know how he's going to use your life. But I know for certain he's using it right now. It may not be what you think it is. It certainly isn't you marching to glory as you get a little help from God to march. So it's so important, and how you see it is how Jesus does this morning. We're in a really important passage. You know, we've been in there for several weeks, and I'm not doing enough justice. You're probably, man, Dax is going so fast, we could spend years on what's called the farewell discourse. 
That's what we're in in John. So if you want to be there, it's John 16, the end of it. We're going into 17 a little bit. But 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 the thing is, it's it's four chapters of Jesus Christ, the Son of God who's come to earth, talking to the people who believe in him, and he's telling him right before he goes to the cross exactly what he, they need to know. It's like the best part of the Bible ever. I know I said that about every part of the Bible we're in. But this part, I, I just for you, it's like super important that we say, I get I get this. Look what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who's my Savior, is saying. And and so that's where we are. And so if if you're there, 16, we're going to pick up in verse 25. But but here's the thing. I, I I've been going so fast. I want today to really stop stop at the cross. It's looming over this conversation. It's the thing that Jesus has come to do. It's so important. And, and, and the cross is not an aid station on the way to, to improvement. It's not a hospital where you recover. It's the turning point of all of human existence. It's, it's everything. We stop at the cross because of how incredibly important it is for our whole lives. And you say, well, well that's okay. The cross is really important, but why, why are you emphasizing that? Jesus' life is important. Yes, it is. It is. He lived a sinless, perfect life. Jesus' resurrection is important. Oh, yes, it is. Jesus is alive right now. <laughs> we can pray to him because he's living and he's God. But the cross is the turning point. I'm going to show you why. And it's when Jesus starts to pray. He prays today. It's called in all the commentaries the high priestly prayer because Jesus Christ himself prays for you. We're not going to cover it all. It's too long. I just took a piece. We'll cover more next week. But But when you... When you see him pray and you start to think, okay, what is he praying for for me, for him? Oh, may that get into your heart. So I invite you this morning to the love of God. If you don't get his last words before he prays, you might not get the frame. But So the meat and where I'm going is what he's praying. But I want you to see the frame in which he prays, the, the, the context, because then you know what he's praying about. So that's what we're doing, turning point. First one is love disclosed, and you see the end of chapter 16. So look at it, verse 25 with me. Jesus says this. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. Okay, we're in the middle of a talk. It's like you like you open up the curtain to say, hey, I'm in for the Sunday sermon. And, and he's already talking, so it's hard because we can't go back and start in chapter 13 again and go all the way through. So I just want you to focus in on, on this idea as we start mid-speech. Mid the hour is coming, Jesus says, right? Something and, and is here. Something so huge, you will know plainly about the Father. Not anymore in images, but actually see it. What is that hour that comes? I submit to you, it's the cross. It's Jesus dying for us. The hour's coming, you see, when you're going to actually see God for you. What does it look like? He's dying on the cross. Right? That's the event that hangs over this conversation. The hour that changes the world. It's the death of God for us. It declares what? God adores you. I mean, that's what the cross is, right? Jesus dying for you. 
So you see, look what he says. Keep going with me. In that day you will ask in my name, and I don't say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you. Because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Okay, we did this last week, but we did it so fast. I was afraid you might have missed this piece. And there's this huge change going to happen, Jesus says, that instead of talking and asking Jesus for something, Jesus who fed the 5,000 and Jesus who did the miracles and Jesus who had amazing power, uh, Jesus says, you get to, I don't need to intercede with the Father for you. You get to ask the Father directly. Why? Because he loves you. He's intimately interested in you. That's not the most mind-boggling thing you can ever really... You can't even really understand it. The God who made everything, who's in everything, who's above everything. All the created universes, and there's billions of them, are, 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 are a drop in the bucket to this God, and he's interested in you. It's like he needs a 10,000 time to the 10,000th degree microscope to even see you in my head, I feel like. But that's not right. Because he says there's proof to you. That he loves you. And what causes that? The cross. Right? In that day, in that day, you know that Jesus Christ has died for your sin. It's not some litmus test to see if you love God enough so that he'll love you. He's saying, hey, you believe in me, Jesus says. Yeah, I trust Jesus who's going to the cross and he dies. And he said, wow, that was the son of God. I, I trust that that's true. So he died for me willingly. That's how I know. Do do you believe that he came from God? Because you see, if the answer is no, I don't believe that he came from God, then just some guy died. I mean, he can be some whatever. But but, but if you actually are with me and you say, no, that was the son of God, then that's proof to your heart that the Father loves you. Not because you believe in him well, but because the message is true. If he came from God, this is what God has done for you. What greater love is there than for someone to lay down his life for his friends? Yeah, you're his friend. Wow. This is a very big deal. This is about your relationship with the Father. He adores you. And the way that you know is not your behavior, not your circumstances, not your improvement, not your transformation. The way that you know is the cross. The way that you know is that Jesus is God. He's from the Father. He did what he, he, the Father wanted him to do. What was that? Die for you. Pay the price of all the sin you would ever do. Take your earnings and your merit and your station right off the table. How do I know this? Yeah, I have these messages. I have these events. Do you believe he's done it? Well, look what he says. I came from the Father, and I've come into the world, and now I'm leaving the world and going to the Father. That's the turning point. I mean, I I can choose. I can say, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to believe in how my life goes, how well my morning went, how well my every circumstance is going. I can believe my eyes, or I can believe that Jesus came from the Father, and then he went back exactly representing to me what the heart of the Father is for me. 
And you say, whoa, 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 whoa. That's kind of humanity. That's not for me personally. If you just knew how bad I was, no, we're all that bad. <laughs> it's not like, oh, you're, yeah, you're a particularly hard case. Dude, welcome to my world. Come on in. See what a wicked person I am in my heart. But I know something. I know it with all that is in me. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he went to the cross. And he died. And you know what it means? God adores me. You too. The Father loves me, not because of the road ahead of me, but because of the cross of Christ, convicted and convinced and no longer in figurative speech. The cross rings out across all the world. God died for me. And Jesus plainly says, this is not a rogue action by a sort of compassionate son. This is the message of the Father God for you and me. Oh, So this is, to me, a very central verse that goes with that. This is John writing later in his life. He writes in 1 John 4, he says, So we have come to know and to believe, what? The love God has for us. What is that? How do I know it? How have I come to believe it? Because I know the cross. The resurrection was at work, but the cross is the love. And my hope is right there in it. And with that, then, this frame, I've got some peace. This peace from God dispensed to my heart. Let's look. Here we are. Verse 29. His disciples said, oh, now you're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. I just think about it. When Jesus at the beginning of this little passage, he said, hey, the hour's coming. And now the hour is here. Because the cross is right in front of them. And they say, Now we know that you know all things and don't need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Don't don't miss this. They're saying, We trust you, Jesus. And you can see the whole message is that we've come to believe the love that God has for us, and Jesus is the picture of that. But somehow we're still stuck a lot, sort of in how thinking about how much we believe. Like I make this about, oh, I read a pastor's like this. I know Jesus loves me. So I kind of make it about, yeah, yeah, but do I really believe? So, so look, look, this is an important frame. Just before he speaks, Jesus answered them. He said, oh, we've come to believe. How great you are, Jesus. And well, they're the disciples. They must. Jesus answered them. Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Okay, all of us take that last verse and I put it on the refrigerator. It's an awesome verse for the fridge. Totally cool. The world is tribulation, but he's overcome the world. Amen. Hallelujah. You should put it on your fridge. It's fantastic. But oh, really, the cool part's in front of it. It's final words before he prays. 
And what's surprising? He brings them back to the ground of their hope. Our ground, right? That, that's what he's doing. Here's the message. The cross announces that God adores you. If you will look on that and stay right there, you cannot be moved. And they all say, yes, we believe in you, Jesus. And so Jesus makes sure they see. You know when the test actually comes? You're going to run away. You know what I'd call that? Unbelief. Wouldn't you? He says, well, you know, if you believe in me, then the Father loves you in your mind. And by the way, when push comes to shove, you're going to head for the hills. That sounds a lot like you don't really believe. They're toast. They're done. But are they? No. It's, it's, it's about... It's about not them trusting in this way that that produces results. It's about them seeing that Jesus is the Son of God and therefore knowing that the message is God's faithful to them. The whole message is that we aren't faithful to God. So you can't make, well, yes, God loves those who believe, and belief is faithfulness. And so if you obey, that's faithfulness. And therefore, obedience is believing. And therefore, if you obey, God will save you. Where did I end up? Salvation's up to you. That's where I ended up. So often we do. Meganoi. May it never be. I'll tell you what it is. In your failure, Jesus is your hope, right? The cross shines out that he did it and it's finished and it's done. And it's so amazing. And, and so he, he pushes that. Right before he prays, he says, I absolutely know 100% all of you are abandoning me. And you are still mine. In fact, he's going to commend them in the prayer for believing. Wow. Okay, so this is huge stuff, right? The truth is you're adored, not because you believe well, but because you've heard the message that Jesus adores you. And, 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 And Jesus says, not I, I'm a perfect picture of the Father. And so when you come to the cross, you have, what do I have? I see the cross. I have peace. That's what Jesus says. I'm living you peace. Why? Because I know even as I drag myself and I say I'm such a sinner and I messed up again and my morning just fell apart and everything's not going. Jesus really does love me. Not because of all that stuff, but just because he does. And my peace is there. In this world, you'll have tribulation. Sure, this world is judged. It's about how well you're doing, about how mindful you are, how much improvement you can show. But Jesus says he's overcome the world. That's awesome. His work for you, his death for you, his blood for you. The cross is enough for you. This is why Hebrews says your conscience is clean. Not because you've managed to overcome those bad things that you've done in the past. No, because the blood of Christ cleanses your conscience. Incredible. Hebrews 9 and 10. Go check it out another time. But, but, but it's amazing. The question is, will you hear the word and trust that he's true? He's done it. Peace. He's got you. He always has. And the Father loves you. I mean, let it sink in, would you, for a minute? The, the Father, uh, God of the universe, he loves you. Not maybe he will if you keep on that path well. But he does. How do I know? the cross okay so jesus is fantastic and now he stops talking to them and he turns and prays and we just got to spend a few minutes here before we're done because 
This is very famously called the high priestly prayer, like I said. It's Jesus, God the Son, praying to God the Father. So I just want you to think about as we read this through, do you think it's going to be answered? You can go ahead and say yes. God prays to God and the Son and the Father, and the Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father, and there's this love fest and it's been existing since time immemorial with the Trinity, and they love each other, have each other's heart, and the one speaks and the other answers, and it's a yes and amen. And it's talking about this word, particularly for today. There's other things we'll cover next week. But I want you to see it's talking about glory. I hear that word and I go, ooh. Because immediately I go to where I started with. Are you glorifying God? Are you doing enough to glorify? Are you really glorifying God with your life? And I go right back on my road. And I forget, oh, there was a turning point. What was it? cross and it's not the cross to get me somewhere it's the cross as the stop of the, the amazing finish okay let's look at it glory displayed we need help with that so here comes jesus when jesus has spoken these words he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said father the hour has come Glorify your son so the son may glorify you. Since you've given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Okay, this is Jesus praying in this huge, first, impacting, important thing Jesus prays. Father, glorify me. I mean, get it right, right? He's not talking to the disciples. I kind of think that's what God does to me a little bit. Dax, glorify me. No. This is Jesus. He's talking to God and he's saying to the Father, glorify me, Father, because he's the one that does. The Father answers the Son. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Father, glorify your Son so the Son may glorify you. What's the picture of glory? Is it the transfiguration where Jesus shines and beams with holy light coming from him? No. You know what it is, right? The glorification of Jesus that he's about to have. It's the, go ahead and say it with your mouth, go ahead, cross. You know, bleeding Jesus, outside the camp, criminal Jesus, dying Jesus. And this is eternal life. That, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So eternal life, it's not us giving glory to God. It's not magnifying God. It's not doing great things for God, somehow determining how to do your best for God and stay on the path, right? It's knowing God. Like Jesus is like, Father, give me, give me, glorify me because I'm going to glorify you. How's he going to do it? I'm going to, I'm going to give of me to all people who might know me. This message that's going to go out about who God is, is the glory. Because he gives this God does freely eternal life and the glory is entirely his giving and receiving jesus glorifies the father by his humbling himself becoming a human being accomplishing the work of redemption dying on a cross and the father points this huge flashlight on on on, this is the glory this death this criminal outcast maneuver this glorifies me right jesus says i 
glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. He's going to get all the glory back from the Father that he already had. It's not that you're going to give him some more ever, right? Like, i got to break my mindset of this. I always think, well, I'm going to glory, give glory to God more and more with my life, and I'm going to almost like glory some quantity, like God has a pile of it, and each of us has a little thimbleful, and we're going to stack it up together, and there'll be some mountain of glory, like a pile of gold. Baloney. Jesus has the most glory. He's the most glorious, amazing. You fall down at feet and, and worship him in a heartbeat. He chose to be humble and look like nothing. Isaiah 53 says, right? And come to earth and he looks like, like nothing. And then, and, and then he dies and that's the glory. And then he goes back to heavenly glory and gets even more. He does not need your glory. Okay. Remember, this is Jesus praying to the Father. He's letting us listen in, right? Look at the work of Jesus. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. What? How have they kept God's word? Questioning, arguing, not understanding? No, 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 no. This is the thing, right? What's the word? They trust Jesus. They're, they're getting to the point of not trusting themselves. In fact, they're going to have good evidence not to trust themselves. They're going to run away. I don't, they're going to trust me. I really like Peter, but I wouldn't trust Peter any further than I could throw him. And you should say the same about me. Don't trust me. Trust Jesus. Why? Because he did the work on the cross, right? Okay, that, that's what he's saying. This is amazing, amazing that Jesus says this. He says, but you see the, and, and I hope you see, and we're kind of being flip about it in, in a certain way. I don't want to because it's so amazing that, that you, precious person who trusts Jesus because it's the message and you've heard it and you believe in him, not about staying on some road to give God back glory. It's about do you actually believe that? Because if you do, the statement here is that you've been given to Jesus from a long time ago. Don't ask me how that works. I don't understand. It is amazing. God the Father to God the Son gives you. Nothing new, but hey, he, he adores you. It's the glory of God. Verse 7. Now, now they know everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me. This is Jesus talking to the Father. And, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. This is, this is, this is what you're believing. You're believing Jesus Christ came from God the Father. He's the Son. And they have believed that you sent me. This becomes super deep. You realize this entire affirmation of God the Father, God the Son to God the Father that the work he was to do was to show these 12 nobodies in her eyes that he was the Son so that they believed that God the Father sent him. That's all. Well, it isn't about their deep obedience. No, it's about trusting that Jesus came from God. I, I, I believe that, do you? Then logically, the picture of God is that Jesus went to the cross and died for you, and so that the unescapable fact is that God adores you. 
And there's not some other task, not some other glory. The glory of God is set. You glorify God by trusting that his words are true and that he's done it all, that it is finished. See this glory again one more time. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world who don't believe in me, that I came from the Father, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Statement of fact. I said this is so hard for me because I go right away into maybe God's glorified in me if I do the right things or else I'm probably not God's. And no, 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 no. God, Jesus just talking back and forth. You know what? They're yours. They're mine. They're all together. We are going to be together. And, and they have my glory. I'm glorified in them. Period. By what? They believe me. So he hears God the Son, praying to God the Father, conversation he lets us into, he prays for us, and when he does, he makes absolutely certain what he thinks. One, we are the fathers. God the Father has us. Two, if you are Christ, then you are the fathers. Three, he is glorified in us. Wow. We're about halfway through this prayer. we got to stop. But, but, I'll, but I'll tell you, there's two more requests next week. They're, they're just incredible. You can read ahead and get them, but, but yeah, go ahead and do. Read it a bunch. It's, it's worth reading a bunch. But this is absolute paradigm altering to me personally in my life. Because to me personally in my life, I am and continue to be someone who likes achievement. It, it seems to me that God would be happier if I get better in doing a lot of things. And so I have. And only to find at the top, I end up in Philippians 3, where Paul says, it's crap. Yeah, I said it. Paul uses a stronger word. I won't use that one. I have no righteousness but Christ. What does that mean? What he did on the cross for me. And, and so this idea, I mean, Westminster 1, right? If you know the Westminster Confessions, they say, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Amen. I so believe that. But you realize those are the same thing. They're not separate things. The glory of Jesus is the cross. Enjoying him forever is glorifying him. Why? Because the message is, do you believe that he loves you? Do you believe the words that he has spoken? In this moment, does he care for you? And the turning point's the cross. Not, not, not. Never that you might somehow take 12 steps towards increasing personal improvement. No, simply to receive the forgiveness and love and peace and joy that he offers you. This incredible free gift, it's free to you and me. Because for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus paid it all. He's done it. You know, your belief doesn't matter for the actual accomplishment of anything. It happened. All this glorious activity is already done. The question is only, do you receive it? The message itself is you have no hope in you. So will you hear? You say, yeah, I hear. Then what you're hearing is the love of the Father for you and the Son. Peace from Christ in the midst of your failure. Glory shining on the point of despair. He has done it all. One more tiny step. <laughs> You've got to get this. I don't know how to make it alive for you. But, but okay, so to take it into your circumstance. I don't know where you are. 
You might be, let me take a hard one, you're homeless and a drug addict. I don't know. I'd like to overcome both of those things, and it's really good to overcome. And, 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 but is God glorified in you now? The answer's got to be yes, if you believe the Bible. It's not about the road. It's about the cross. Right? The cross is true. You're working in a, as a ditch digger, and you're dreaming of giving God more glory by being something else. No, the glory of God is now. Not that you can't. You have so many options of freedom in America. You can do many different things. You should be wise. You should search out. You should go. But every single thing, it stops at the cross. And the cross is the glory of God. And that means it's just he's for you and whatever's happening, right? Or there you go again. Angry words and you get in trouble and your friends turn their back on you. Man, if only you wouldn't do that, you could give God more glory by a kinder word. No. The cross is God's glory. You are loved and forgiven. Do you hold on to that? Because that's where the glory is. I'm forgiven by God. Not I'm improved by God. I know it hurts. Because I want me to be in the position of giving God something. No. I got to receive Okay, I, I will end there. It's not, you can work on all those areas and, and then they're good. All these shoulds, because it's wise to do so. Skillful living, it's called wisdom, is minimizing your sin and, and working hard and being diligent and all those things. But glory is in none of it because Christ is glorified in you by what He has done. And you are receiving it, and the wonder is that you do in the midst of failure and hardship and trial and tribulation and whatever road like life takes you on, whatever the turn off that you've done is turning away with me. Would you come with me? Away from that road of maximization of world impact by you and on to trusting the cross has me. Jesus has me. What he did is true. And his love will bear fruit in my life. Oh, the wonder of it we're going to see in heaven. Jesus Christ died for you. You're adored. I'll leave us with this. It says this in Jude 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you. How you don't keep you. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior by his finished work on the cross. Be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever, because he has done it. Let's pray.